Well, good morning. Welcome to the creek. Um, you guys must have heard about the cinnamon rolls. Uh, is the coffee, yeah. I'm glad you're here. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time, um, there's a guest card around you. If you would fill that out, just uh, we don't do anything weird with that. We don't sell that information. Um, we don't abuse that information. What we do is that begins a process uh, for us to be able to begin a relationship and a connection with you and help you get connected to a family. Um, we consider church a family, and that connection is, is important. And so that guest card begins a process uh, for us to communicate with you. Um, you will get a phone call, um, I'll tell you that. Um, we, we time it perfectly around dinner time, uh, <laughs> right in between AT&T and the cable company. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> But we have a team that, that uh, loves to, to follow up, and, and I love the heart of our church and their heart uh, for reaching out. So we're glad you're here. We're thrilled. Um, if you've got your Bibles, go to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, while you're going there, um, I want to just make a couple of announcements. If you're visiting, we're glad you're here. Let me say a couple things to our church family. Um, uh, Thank you for freeing up some space. I thought I made some of our, our core mad this morning because they were just walking out. It's like, what are you leaving? And they're like, no, we're just going to free up some space. Um, and so I'm proud of you. Thank you for that. But also, uh, this week was a fun week. Uh, uh, we got to go to Agape. And uh, I wanted to show you this picture. I think it's the first one on there. Um, the next one. It's the second first one. Um, LAUGHTER I didn't have time to Photoshop. They made me lay down. But uh, um, we go every third Thursday to Agape Meals in Fort Worth and serve uh, the, the less fortunate and homeless. And, and I love that. It's a great time. I was putting this picture in a slideshow, and I saved my, I'm really OCD about where I save files to. And I had a picture from two years ago, April 29th, 2010, um, and our church went to Agape. We started serving at Agape before we even launched the church. Um, but April 2010, it was a much smaller group, and I looked at that, and man, I was like, it was fun. And Thursday night was a lot of fun, and uh, you can tell because they talked me into laying down on the floor for that picture. Um, on, the, on that floor, yeah. Um, and then the, the other picture, um, Jana was in our first service. Um, show, this is Kids Beach Club. Um, and Jana is over here. Um, this is, this is her. She was in the first service and I made her cry. I told her I wouldn't make her stay for the second service, but, uh, Jana is a teacher, um, at Northbrook Elementary in our, in our community. And, uh, we launched the church with a heart to impact the schools and the school districts and the kids and the families. And uh, Jana uh, engaged in January with a group called Kids Beach Club. And they do an after-school, basically children's church after school. And um, she said, you know, I don't know if I'm the right person, but I do feel like God's calling me to do this. And uh, she's pulled a team of eight leaders together from the community and from the school. And uh, every Wednesday, they just finished last week, but every Wednesday after school, um, the kids would gather in the gym and they would do their kids' beach club. Um, the reason I'm bringing that up, it's going to flow into what we're talking about today, but also um, you can go online to kidsbeachclub.org. It's a national organization. They spotlighted Jana's school this week in their newsletter because of the work she's done. Um, the work that she's done in one semester is building a team of leaders, um, over 50 kids engaged with Kids Beach Club in the first semester, which is amazing growth. But even outside of that, and the most amazing thing is Jana told me when we first started, she goes, I'll teach, I'll organize, but man, I don't know, if I, I don't know about how to, how to lead kids to Jesus. I said, you, you'll be all right. 
the very first session, um, they asked me to teach it. Now, you want to look, think about a mess? I mean, me teaching kids, um, <laughs> it was fun for the first 30 seconds. I was like, no, you need to pay attention. I mean, right, do you have medication? You know, <laughs> right after school, trying to get kids to sit still. <laughs> and if you're a teacher, man, my heart is with you because you got to exercise those patients all day. I just had to do it for about a 10-minute lesson. But I... I, I uh, wanted to introduce the kids to who Jesus was and if they wanted a relationship with Jesus and they call it their forever, him, their forever friend. And, and these kids raised their hand. And I look around and I said, Jana, go pray with these kids. And that just lit up for her. She was nervous, but through this semester, 15 kids gave their life to Christ. So um, she, uh, so she's a teacher in a local school that had a heart um, to impact her school with the gospel. And who knows what else is going to happen. I, I mean, it's just beautiful. Um, as, as a church, we engaged the school for Christmas. Um, you guys handled about 90 kids for their Christmas um, and got to go serve the families and hand those out. And so Northbrook is a school that we've adopted and brought uh, kind of just into, into, into the church. So um, be praying for them. Thank your teachers. Um, that was free. Uh, but Colossians chapter 3. Um, we're going to spend the next three weeks really unpacking this section of Scripture because uh, it's one of these questions I have to ask myself quite often, uh, and it's a realignment of priorities. Paul is writing the, the letter Colossians. It's a letter to the church in Colossae. And he spends the first two chapters of this, this letter highlighting who Jesus is and the gospel, and he gets into the application. Um, Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's speaking to people who have put their faith in Christ, who have put their hope in, in, in Jesus as their Savior. And he's saying, if you've done that, you've been raised with Christ. Uh, just as Christ was resurrected from the tomb, you're raised and there should be something different about the life you live. And then Paul uses the rest of the letter to, to outline and dive into what a changed life should look like. The challenge for us is to make sure that our transformation happens through Jesus first, then we live the transformed life. Too many t- times we try to play the game and think, I'm living a good life, but there's no, no power behind it. There's no, there's no sustainability to your life, if you get what I'm saying. And so Paul's saying, if you've been raised, there's some practical things to implement. And then he goes into this next section of Scripture. And we're going to, like I said, the next three weeks, we're going to dive into these. I'm going to Tarantino them, if you will. We're going to start at the back and work to the front. Um, And so we're going to start at the least of the priorities, but highlight the significance of them. In your notes, you've got a pyramid there. I call it the priority pyramid. Um, Or if you want to be the pastoral, you can be the pyramid of priority, and you have enough P's there to have a sermon, I guess. I don't know. Um, but this is, this is kind of an ordered priority uh, that comes from Scripture about how we should prioritize our life. Uh, the, the foundation and the very basis uh, for who we are and the priorities of our life is, is our relationship with God. Uh, it should be the first and foremost. It should be the central thing in our life. And then, then things stem out from that. The next level, you have your spouse. If you're not married... This is a great opportunity to start thinking about the priority required for your spouse. Because if you're married, you understand the priority your spouse takes, right? 
Uh, no elbowing each other two weeks from now. Or, or, I mean, next week, we're going to talk about marriage. Wait, no, two weeks from now, we're going to talk about marriage. I've got to get it right. Next week, we're going to talk about parenting. That's the next level up. So you've got God, your spouse, your children, and then you have work. And that's how we should align our priorities in life. It, this isn't a fight on volume of time where I've got to give God, you know, 22 hours of my day, my kids or my spouse an hour, and then my kids 30 minutes, and, oh, i got to work in there. I mean, we get so frustrated trying to split it up in a volume of time. What it is, it's a focus. It's a priority of focus, and the foundation has to be our relationship with God. We have exhausted that truth, and, and honestly, that's a truth we will never stop coming back to, that our relationship with Jesus is the foundation for everything in our life, and things stem from that. And so today I want to talk about work because I don't know if you're, I don't know if you've been where I was at one point in my life. Before ministry, I, I started working in the corporate world, and I worked in a call center, and I'm just going to be honest with you. It's just us in here, so I'm just going to be honest with you. I hated my job. I would spend my drive. I had a 35-minute drive to work, and I would spend my drive stressed out, making myself sick, creating reasons why I didn't want to be there, why I hated my job. There were... I'm. In, the honesty here, there were times I was almost on the verge of tears because I hated going to that place. I don't know if you're there, if you've ever been there. If you are or have been, you understand. And it, it, it's an empty, it's, it's a hard feeling. It's a hard place to be. And then I started, you know, Heather and I got involved with the church and God started working on us and, and I started praying about my job. And, and honestly, nothing changed about my job other than my attitude. I just felt God being real fatherly and saying, you know what, Matt, sometimes you got to suck it up and do it. One of the things that my father instilled in me was a work ethic and said, son, sometimes you just do it. Um, we have a generation that is, is uh, dying off, a generation, the World War II generation that built uh, this country on getting in and making it happen doing it, not a sense of entitlement. Um, Lou Holtz made a comment about his father's generation versus the next generation he was seeing. He said, this generation speaks of entitlement and privilege. My father's generation spoke of responsibility and duty. And that came to my mind, and I just prayed. It changed my attitude. God, I hate my job. Yeah, I hate it, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it as best I can. And God began to open opportunities to move out of that and open up other opportunities. But if you're there, let me just say, hang on. You know, sometimes just put on your big boy boots and just get it done. Lock in. Change your, ask God to change your attitude. He may not change your job, but he might change your attitude, and that's going to make all the difference in the world. And so I want to I talk about this work this morning. Let's understand something first. God gave us work. He gave us work in the beginning. There was work in the garden. Let me read to you what Paul goes into on these priorities and work. This is Colossians 3. I'm going to start at verse 18. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 17, and then we're going to read through uh, 4.1, and then we're going, to, we're going to look at some other passages of Scripture. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Husbands, no elbows. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Ladies, no elbows. Children, obey your parents in everything. Keep your hands to yourself. We're going to get there in a couple weeks. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. And there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. We're going to hone in on this last section where it's talking about slaves and masters. Now, slavery was a reality in in this first century environment. The scripture, I don't even think that scripture condones an oppressive situation. The word of God is liberating, and the church had not yet been, had grown to a point of social action to begin to, to confront that. The goal of the church is always to seek and save and share the gospel. And we engage in social actions as a result of that. Too many times the church wants to engage solely on the social action and not get into the gospel. Let's get the gospel first, because I think when, when people meet Jesus, the freedom happens. And so I want to look at this because this is also, when you bring this into our context, this is also a point to look at our employment situations. Let me read it to you how we, how we would look at this. Employees, obey your earthly bosses or supervisors and everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Supervisors or employers provide your employees with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a supervisor in heaven. And, and I want to hone in on this idea of our work and what we do and, and what that looks like in life. And, and to understand that God gave us work, there's something holy about work. Go to Genesis 2. It's the very first book in the Bible, right after the table of contents. Um, in Genesis 2, we're going to see that work existed before sin. Too many times we think, oh man, if Adam wouldn't have sinned or <laughs> if Eve wouldn't have made Adam sin, <laughs> I'll create some mess in your marriage and we'll clean it up in a couple weeks. Um, if there hadn't been sin, you know, I wouldn't have to work, man. I could just be hanging out. You know, I could have my toes in the water and having some fun. Anyway, Gen- that'll hit in a minute. Genesis 2.15, this is before sin. The God of the universe spoke everything into existence. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, existed before creation. And they sp- he spoke everything into existence created the heavens and the earth, everything. And he created man. And this is, this is what happens with Adam. This is before sin. Chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Work it and take care of it. Not work it, but work it. Um, <laughs> and the Lord, Lord God commanded the man, 
I got to keep moving around. I can feel my wife's eyes somewhere in this room. Uh, Command to the men, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, you will surely die. So what happens is God gave Adam a job. I mean, there's fulfillment in his work. One of Adam's jobs was to name all the creatures. Think about the creativity Adam got to employ in naming the creatures. I mean, the duck-billed platypus. You think about it, he had to name the duck first because he's like, well, that's got the duck part, but I don't know, it's like a platypus after that. I don't know. I mean, where does that come from? What, Perry, where are you? Is that where? That's our Phineas and Ferb folk. Um, but his creativity... I mean, rhinoceros, elephant, giraffe. And then I'm sure that he started getting tired at some point because he's like, fish, <laughs> cat. And God was like, one more, Adam, one more, one more. He's like, God, I don't know. I just, all this feels backwards. Dog, <laughs> you know, that's my boy, you know. And he's thinking he's going to eat at that tree. To, uh, can't get that boy to do anything. So then what happens is there's work, there's fulfillment in his job. I mean, I don't know if you've been in that place where you find fulfillment and purpose in your job. I'm at a point in life, I absolutely love what I get to do. Yeah, it's difficult sometimes. Sometimes it means we're going to sit in the hospital room and we're going to go through the darkest, most painful situations with the family. Sometimes people don't like me. Um, sometimes I don't like people. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm just being honest, you know but it's not always a perfect job. But I love my job. I wake up and go, thank you, God, that I get to do this. I don't think God has the right man for this job, but I know he's called me. And so I trust him. God, help me, equip me. I love this. I want to keep doing this. And there's fulfillment in it. But then what happens is when sin entered, the fulfillment was gone without something to fix that. And so here's what happens. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read you verse 17. God said to Adam, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. This is what God says. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to what? Work the ground from which he had been taken. The interesting thing is because of the sin, there's now toil, there's strife, there's a lack of fulfillment. There, it, honestly, Adam's focus now becomes his work. We're going to see in the next couple of weeks, Eve's focus tends to become for her husband and for her kids. But let's, let's hone in on this idea of work. Um, wh- let me ask you a question. Let's, we're going to have fun. This is our, this is our uh, daycare um, whiteboard. So let's get interactive for a second. Um, the first service did great. Um, I think they had enough coffee. Let's see if you guys ha- are, are better because I still have their answers. Yeah. Um, why do we work? What do we work for? Just provide. 
And I don't spell good, and I don't write good, so <laughs> I don't grammar good either, do I? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you, teachers. Just don't ask me to dissect the sentence. Why do we work? Money. Success. Expectations. Expectations. Shuns. That's the conjunction. Junction. What's your function? You remember that? Shun, 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 shun. T-I-O-N. We don't have a choice. Is that it? Dude, good. Choice. E. Called. <laughs> created. Okay? Respect. Respect. I'm not singing to you. I'm trying to spell. I don't have the red squiggly line under the, the dry erase board. Fulfillment. And to eat? That's kind of the same. Two is it fulfillment. To eat. Okay. <laughs> education. Kids' education. Yep. You're preaching to me now. <laughs> I get that bill. What was that? Survival. Boredom. That's true. Hey. <laughs> we need to talk about tithing if you're bored. Independent, I'm independently wealthy. I, I would even take dependently wealthy, honestly. <laughs> All right. I get, anything else? Opportunity to glorify God. I'm going to abbreviate op to glorify God. All right. Good. Well, use our talents. I'm hoping the Texas Rangers are working hard at that right. <laughs> and the Mavs. Um, anything else? Minister, yeah. Okay. That's a good list. Um, I, I, I don't see any of these of, as being inherently evil or wrong. Um, all of these are valid things. I mean, it, it, it takes money to run our household. And we have to provide. Um, I think if we if we have an ambition, we want to succeed. All of these things are good. Um, the problem is when we make these things the priority for our work, um, we try to find, because of the fall, we try to find fulfillment in our job through these things. And the dangerous thing is we think any one of these is going to bring that fulfillment to why we're created to work. Or, or somehow if we can gain enough of one of these... It's going to be absolutely everything we need. And, and the problem is we miss the purpose on really why we work. Like I said, all of these are, are um, the right reasons to work. But let's, let's understand something that God gave us an eternal purpose when he created us and when, when he set us free. I'm going to read to you Ephesians 3. These scriptures are in your, your further reading for this week um, on your note sheets at the bottom. Um, and these scriptures will be on these note sheets for the next couple weeks. But um, Ephesians chapter 3. 
Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and it, it really mirrors some of the things going on in Coloss, uh, Colossae and Colossians. I'm going to read you this. This is verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach the, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain every, to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through this church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his, as you're there, to what? eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, there's an eternal purpose to what we do. If you think about it, um, work existed before sin. Work existed before creation. And, and the other night, I, I, this kept me up, thinking about, God, what is the eternal purpose? Because, I mean, I, there will be a time when Bible study will cease. I mean, we'll, we'll step into heaven and be in the full revelation of God. Um, the mission of earth, you know, to, to reach out and to, to help the poor and the broken and those who are, are pushed down, that, that, that mission will cease. Um, Paul says to proclaim the mystery of Christ through the gospel, um, that's mission or some church circles call it evangelism. That's going to cease. So a lot of these things that we work for, I mean, our, our need for money is going to cease in heaven. I mean, all of these things are going to cease. So what is the eternal purpose? And I, I really wrestled with this. I don't know that I've got the perfect answer. I mean, I think this is one of those that God's going to work on me for a long time. But the eternal purpose, I started thinking, before creation, God existed. And he existed as the Trinity, which is God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They existed in perfect unity. They're separate yet one. And they existed in perfect harmony. They created man, we sinned, we disrupted that harmony. It took the cross to bring that harmony back, but yet we still wrestle with the harmony. And so I think that when we put our faith in Christ and we're reconciled to God through the cross, that one day we will step into heaven and the eternal purpose will continue. And I, I really believe that, that eternal purpose is to continue that harmony, that oneness with God. In John 17, 3, Jesus gives us a definition of eternal life. He says that, that they may know me, that they may know you. And he prays also in that, that, Father, you and I are one, just as you and I are one, that they be one. So I think there's an eternal purpose that exists more of a relational level. The thing that we've got to realize is God puts us in our work environments for relationships so that we can begin to work towards an eternal purpose of those relationships being reconciled through the cross. Let me put it to you this way. Uh, my job as a pastor, I receive my paycheck from being a pastor. Wherever you work or you receive your paycheck, you're in ministry, full-time ministry. You work in places that I can't go into. And you have the ability to make relationships in there that are of eternal purpose. And I think we've got to really center ourselves <clears throat> we've really got to center ourselves on this truth, this idea. So uh, the big question here is how do we do this? You know, these are great concepts, Matt. 
love those scriptural biblical truths, but man, what does it look like tomorrow when I'm heading to work? It might be, Matt, you, you have no idea how much I hate my job. You have no idea how crooked some of the people I work with are. You don't have any idea. Or it might be, man, I love my job. Man, it's just perfect. I don't think, I don't see how I can get any better. What, how, does this, how does this relate? Let me, let me help you with this, and then we're going to get real practical. Um, we should work, not giving eye service to the people around us, but understand we're working for God. We have to work full of the word. We've got to have the word of God so richly dwelling in us that, that it moves us to have a different attitude towards our job. In Colossians 3, when Paul is talking about this changed life and having the identifiers of this changed life, uh, he tells us, I guess I should look at Colossians 3 instead of Philippians 3. We'd be, you'd be like, where is he going with this? I'd love to see how you tie that in. In verse 15, Paul says this before he goes into these priorities. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be, thank, be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Thank you. What Jesus, what Paul's saying is let the word of Christ, let scripture be so full in your life that it leads you to be thankful or to be grateful, have an attitude of gratitude towards your job, that you move through life with your priorities grateful. And so we've got to be full of the word. That, that should change how we focus what we do. Not only that, but if you go back even where Paul talks about this in Ephesians. We've got to work full of the Holy Spirit. Because just as Paul was talking about, there are things that you take off in your life and things you put on, and gratitude is a good thing to put on. He also tells those in Ephesus uh, that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse five, or chapter 5, verse 18 in Ephesians. And I know I'm bouncing. Uh, we don't normally do this. Paul says, don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes in in chapter 6, and he tells us that we're to obey our masters, that we're to work as for the Lord. And so he's saying, be full of the Holy Spirit. So if you think about this, when you're full of the Word, it leads to gratitude. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, it leads to thankfulness. And then we're able to work with the eternal purpose. So what does this look like tomorrow? How, how do you implement this? It means tomorrow, let, let me just give you a couple things. First thing, be thankful for your job. Thank God for your job. I talk to people all, throughout the week that that are so desperate for a job. And I try to help them. I try to network. Uh, by the way, if you uh, know of positions and can help me network people, email me. I mean, I, the church, I'm grateful I get a chance to minister to people through this. While they're looking for a job, I'm trying to help meet a bigger need. But be thankful for your job. If you don't have a job, be thanking God for the job God's leading you to. Because God hasn't forgotten about you. 
I talk to people who are out of work and they just feel like God's forgotten them. He hasn't forgotten you. He's right there with you. Start thanking him for the job that he's leading you to that's going to give you the ability to work towards eternal purpose. The second thing is, man, get, read your Bible and pray before work, before work, you know. There's something about getting that intake before you go into that office. I mean, on your way to work, there's construction on just about every road. Um, so you probably have a little bit of extra time. Put something on a podcast. Plug your phone in. Listen to a radio station. Man, even read. Get up in the morning and read a passage on your note sheets. There's six passages, six scriptures. Man, get up in the morning and just read that even before you get in the shower. But start with the Word. And then ask, the, ask God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power so that I can work to glorify you today. Because the only way this is going to happen is with God's power at work. And let me say this too. This one's free. Before you walk into the office tomorrow or wherever, smile. Don't walk in there and go, go work. And and they're like, here comes the Christian. (laughs) Everybody run. Oh, good. While we're on free advice, let me also say this too. The people you work with is a relationship. Now, I understand that some of you probably should not go to happy hour because of wrestling and struggling with addictions and alcohol in the past. But here's what you can do. Instead of preaching at them, you know, they say, hey, we're going out to happy hour. Like, oh, that's just unholy. God, God, you know, I'm a Christian. I can't. Man, they're going to go to happy hour and make fun of you. All right? Let me say this. Just tell them, I got other plans. But here's what I would recommend to you. Invite them to lunch. Say, hey, I can't go tonight. But how about on Friday, let, let's, all go, let's all go have lunch. Be friends with the people you work with. Man, that makes it such a miserable existence when you go in there and don't feel like you have any friends. Be friendly. Be friendly. And then be the best employee you can be. I had to get past this. I had to stop blaming my boss and stop blaming the organization for everything or why I hated my job. I can be accountable for me. I can be accountable for the work that I do. And so, do the best job that you can do. Go in and glorify God with how you work. And work at it with all your heart. I mean, realize that you're working for an eternal purpose. And God's placed you in the office or work environment for that purpose. And begin to pray, God, help me to achieve this purpose with the job you have me in right now. Because chances are with the way society and the economy goes, the days of being able to get a job in 25 years, 30 years later, retire from that job, those are probably gone. But he's got you here for this season, this time, And say, God, I want to be here also for your eternal purpose. So work at it with all your heart. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you give us abilities, you give us uh, passions, you give us uh, ways to work. And I'm so thankful for the diversity of of opportunities represented in this room uh, for jobs and the ability to work in your eternal purpose. 
And, and God, I just ask you right now to refocus and recenter ourselves. Uh, help us to stop focusing on our work to fulfill us, but help us to see our work as a fulfillment of you. And help that to be a godly priority. God, I pray that for those of us, I love my job, but, but sometimes I let it get ahead of everything else. Forgive me for that. Help me man up and, and repent to my family for letting my job get in front of them, in front of my kids and in front of Heather. And so, Father, I just ask that you help us realign our priorities. Help us to work with all of our heart as though we realize the truth that we're working for you. And Father, I just ask that you give us the, the, the reminder in the morning to, to fill up on the word and read the Bible and pray and ask for your help to guide our day. That God, it might be a hard day tomorrow coming. Some of us might have to have hard conversations, but you know what? We can still glorify you with how we work. Father, I just ask that you help us to be the best employee that we can be. You've created us, you called us, and you have a purpose. And help us to live and walk that purpose well. So we love you. Now I just pray for anyone in this room that might be carrying the weight of a, a missed priority or, or even the shame or guilt of going, I, I, I've, I've had this out of alignment and I've, I'm hurting from this. And Father, I ask that you give them the courage through your power for them to just to say to you, Jesus, I'm sorry. I need you to be Lord of my life. I need you, God, to realign my priorities. And God, I need to be reconciled through the cross so that the fulfillment I'm seeking is nothing other than you. So Father, I just ask that you help us. Let our work be a testimony of your goodness. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.